Hello, Hawks fans. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am Tim Ogles, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey Kabrinsky. Today, we'll be breaking down a 122-113 to loss to the Miami Heat in South Beach on yet another 30-10 and Trey Young masterclass. Mikey, what do you got to say about this one? Yeah, this game, ultimately, you look at the start of the Hawks in the first quarter not coming out with a lot of energy in, in, the, in the second half. While the defense played well enough to win, the offense struggled to make shots. And ultimately, those four, those four things definitely com- compounded with the, the, just the lack of energy th- throughout, throughout the game at just certain points doom the Hawks here uh, for this loss. Yeah, I felt like this is yet another game where the Atlanta Hawks could have won. I felt like even though they had a poor start in this game, the second, third quarter, they played phenomenal, and, the you know, they, they just couldn't close it out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, generally – with the Hawks, you you can tell, man, the defense was terrible tonight. The offense was fine tonight. I don't think you can really say that, especially in the second half. The Hawks, the Hawks' offense just went completely cold. Especially Bogey after an insanely hot first half went cold in that second, and it kind of trickled down uh, to the rest of the offense, missing easy shots. Mike, you could kind of say it, it was opposite of what was going on in Houston where the offense was just completely on fire and the defense was struggling, and it, it just flip-flopped. Um, some of that you got to give credit to Eric Spolster and his staff and, and what they do, but it, it was just a, a strange night for the offense. And, you know, and, and we'll go with this. DeAndre Hunter uh, missed this game due to knee soreness. Garrison Matthews ended up starting this game. Um, when, when DeAndre goes out, you know, perimeter defense, definitely on the wings are going to struggle. Sadiq Bay was not good at all defensively. I felt like, uh, he, he just still missing rotations and with him not hitting his three ball at the clip that Hawks fans have wanted to see, he is starting to, you know, negatively impacts the game for the Hawks, unfortunately. Yeah, and you, you're speaking you're speaking of strange games. DeAndre wasn't initially on the injury report uh, today. He qu- popped up as questionable about halfway through the afternoon, maybe about four or five hours before tip-off. Uh, so definitely, definitely a strange occurrence there. Hopefully it's nothing serious. And the Hawks, of course, have a back-to-back tomorrow. Uh, so hopefully it's just precautionary. But going with the Garrison Matthews position, uh, starting him at the small forward, I thought at first it was, hmm, why why is Quinn Snyder doing this? Uh, Garrison really hasn't played well when he started in, in Dre's absence. But when you look up and down the roster, Tim, uh, I think this was ultimately uh, the best the best way to go for Snyder. Yeah, because if you go with a guy like Wesley Matthews, you know you're going to get nothing offensively. Um, unfortunately, with Garrison, you got nothing offensively. You still got good defense, um, but he, he took some good charges. But offensively, uh, a goose egg is not what the Hawks were hoping for. Yeah, and then if you, and then obviously you're not starting Bogey at the three with with Dejounte and Trey, and then on Yeka, yeah, you can start on Yeka at the four and slide Sadiq to, uh, to the three, but that's just not the way to go, especially against a small team like Miami. Yeah, and moving on to the first. First, Miami started out this game hot. Uh, they started out on a 9-0 run. 
the Hawks offense looked completely pedestrian. I mean, there was no rhythm, no rhyme, no reason. Um, it felt like every motion was actually probably hurting each other where they were creating no separation. There was no spacing. Every cut seemed to be getting in Trey's way, and it it was just frustrating to watch in that first quarter. Yeah, definitely a weird occurrence uh, offensively for uh, for this team, especially coming out uh, of a game. But that, that lethargic start definitely hurt them coming down. The Heat eventually extended that start to a 13 to 20 lead. Uh, but some, some of that was encouraging in this first quarter after that 9-0 and start was how DeJounte Murray was being aggressive and attacking off the catch. I felt like he did a great job in this game of doing the stuff like I mentioned in the last pod of getting to the rim or shooting threes, being aggressive and leaving that mid-range um, till other quarters so that it opens up more for his teammates, for himself, and for the whole offense in general. Yeah. <laughs> a strange uh, uh, thing during this game. The first first Hawks bucket was off a defense of three seconds from Miami. Um, the Hawks, you know, got – I don't I don't want to say in rhythm, but they, they finally got things going a little bit. They, they had it down to a 13-20 to 20 heat lead. And, you know, I felt like the Hawks were in the game finally. Because after that start, it was one of those things where was this one going to be a, a the blowout that we've been kind of waiting on for the Hawks to have? Because the Hawks haven't been blown out in any game so far this season. I mean, they have been in every single game, and I thought maybe is this the one? But the Hawks were like, no, we we're, we were definitely in this game. Yeah, Dejounte Murray and Trey Young combined for the first for the first fifteen points of all the Hawks seventeen. Sadiq was the only person. Uh, who made a layup to account for the two other points. But I thought it was weird that, Tim, in the first quarter, Trey Young didn't really have the ball in his hands a lot. And I'm sure that was by design uh, from Snyder, trying to get Trey off the ball against Miami and then their their, their tricks to, to slow him down offensively. Now, it didn't work. But uh, I, th- I thought that was a good. I thought that was a good move. But unfortunately, the others, if you will, didn't really respond uh, w- with good shot making like we've normally seen. Yeah, I mean there was countless um, three point shots in the corner for Sadiq and Garrison, and they just weren't converting. Like it's one of those things where the basketball court feels like it gets smaller and smaller every time you keep missing those shots where. The, the guys inside are less likely to commit to you shooting that shot when, when they're not going down. And that made the offense just so much more harder for Trey and DeJounte. Yeah, and we've said this multiple times in, in the last few pods, but it seemed like it seems like when Bogey comes in the game with Trey Young in that first quarter, the Hawks finally settle into an offensive rhythm. Or or even if they're in rhythm before that, they take it to another level. And this and this happened here as well. Bogey was hot throughout the throughout the first half. And you know, he while he slowed down considerably in the second, uh, he he along with Trey kind of righted the ship a little bit towards the end of that first quarter, holding the heat to uh a manageable deficit, 33 to 26 heading into the second quarter. And then the second quarter, Bogey went nuclear. I mean, he could not miss a shot. He had uh, 11 points out of the Hawks' first 15 points in the second quarter. Um, the Hawks were not getting stops, and the game was going back and forth. It felt like every time the Hawks would get a stop in, in that second, Miami would come down, or the Hawks would come down and end up missing a shot. And every time Miami would come down and make a basket, every time the Hawks would make a basket, 
it, it was fun because they were going back and forth. But every time the Hawks missed a basket, unfortunately, the defense was giving up a basket. And, and it kept on making the separation in that, you know, early to middle part of the second to really – balloon out a little bit where if they were getting stops um i felt like the hawks probably could have been in the lead probably you know in the mid part of the second yeah, the second quarter was definitely the best best quarter for the hawks they scored 34 points held miami to, to under 30 29 but strangely tim this was the only quarter for the hawks that they scored over 30 we've generally not seen that from this team right? Bo- bogey bogey absolutely carried carried the offense in, in the first half De- uh Dejounte really the whole backcourt uh, did. You know, Sadiq struggled out of the gate, but uh, Bo- Bogey, Trey, DeJounte, they, they were just huge in keeping Atlanta within striking distance, even though Miami uh, was consistently scoring. Yeah, and Atlanta started uh, four for five from deep. Um, they held Miami scoreless for, for like two minutes, I want to say in between the seven and five-minute mark. I mean – when the Hawks can get defensive stops, it puts less pressure on the offense and allows them to play a little bit more freely. But whenever the Hawks are not getting stops, I feel like the Hawks are pressing. Uh, Trey's pressing, DeJounte, where they know they have to get a bucket or they're going to end up falling deeper and deeper into a hole. And I don't think it ever should feel like that. I feel like the offense should just come to them as as they see it. But, I mean, you got to get defense, defensive stops. You, you just have to. Yeah, uh, the, And turnovers, Turnovers definitely killed the Hawks in in, in the second quarter. Uh, even though even though they scored thirty four points, uh, I think Miami really struggled to find a rhythm in the half court in the second. But uh, the Hawks kind of helped them with with giving them these live ball turnovers. Bogey was still on fire with he eventually made six threes in the first half and had twenty points at halftime. And the Hawks cut the Hawks cut the lead and finally tied the game at fifty six before ultimately only having a two-point deficit at halftime. Tim, I think that the end of the second half was something that Quinn Snyder and the coaching staff has really emphasized a lot, ending first half, ending quarters on a, on a great note to try to continue that into the next one. Yeah, and uh, Quinn Snyder, a little bit for you. 25 first-half threes for this Atlanta Hawks team. Um, Love that. Yeah, uh, as a Hawks fan, as a believer in Quinn Snyder, 25 threes is definitely his philosophy and, and something the Hawks are, are striving to accomplish every game. I'd like to see a little bit more emphasis on getting the basket every once in a while from um, DeJounte and Trey in this game. But also, I understand that Bam Adebayo is a defensive player of the year candidate almost every year. So you have to pick and choose your battles. And I, I thought that in the second half, when when Bogey was starting to hit his shot uh, on that flaming run that he went in, I think that, you know, Trey could find his offense a little bit better at that time, too, because you have to commit more bodies to bogey to make sure he's not launching uh, everything he catches. So it just kind of opened up the floor a little bit more for Trey to to operate. Yeah, and kind of taking that momentum from the second quarter. In the third, the Hawks went on a 13-0 run, similar to what the Heat really did at the beginning of the game. Uh, to take They took a nine-point lead 
71 to 62 into that third quarter. And the heat just came out just like, like the Hawks did in the first quarter. Lethargic, turning the ball over, and just the, the defensive rotations weren't there. And this is uh, Eric Spolster called a timeout. He had to be mad in that huddle because they, they had, the Heat had control of this game for a while. Other than Bogey, it really looked like nobody in the Hawks, on the Hawks was consistently in offensive rhythm, maybe besides DeJounte in that first half. But uh, th- this was definitely an encouraging start to the third. Yeah, uh, I felt like the Hawks were playing their brain at basketball to start of the third quarter, and it kind of just fell off and off. And, and I think that's Miami's defense probably stepping up a little bit more than what they did to start of the third quarter. But for me, something that – because this lead ballooned to 11, I was like, wow, um, are the Hawks going to actually – you know, sustain this run and build on to it. And, you know, it didn't help them that they got in, that Miami got into the bonus with seven, like seven minutes to go in the third quarter. And I felt like Miami just kind of lived at the free throw line. Um, They were posting Bam up against smaller guys, getting the easy fouls. I mean, they were playing smart basketball, and it ended up hurting the Hawks uh, drastically. Yeah, they're, after a slow start to the quarter, Miami's defense really picked up in the middle portion of the third. From the eighth to the five-minute mark, the Hawks didn't score. And uh, like you said, Bam was able to get to the free throw line. Really, the only person who who contained Bam great good in this game was Onyeka Kangu. And yeah, he still had his fouls. I thought uh, Bam only shot five of 14 from the floor. So it, it, he, was, he wasn't necessarily really effective, but in, in the bonus, that's when that's when the Hawks have to be more, just be more disciplined. And if you get down, if you get into foul trouble, like both centers had uh, for the Hawks tonight, that's not good when you have a guy like Bam, who's still going to be aggressive when his shot isn't going in. And he did it at the line tonight. Yeah. And something about the third too, and we haven't touched on it yet, is Bogey. Bogey went ice cold. To be honest with you, it's not just the third. It was the fourth. He he was cold throughout the rest of this game. He shot 0 from 9 from deep after the first half. Um, when, when Bogey is that cold and the Hawks are still within striking distance, you have, you have a belief that this team, if Bogey can see one just go down, that they're going to make a run and, and finish this off. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen. Yeah, a lot of times with players like Bogey, uh, good scorers, good shooters, if they have a twenty-point first half, twenty-five point first half, sometimes it, it can really, it can really turn on its head in the second. And this happened to Bogey. You know, a lot, a lot of stars that get 50 point games you'll see them score maybe quarter by quarter by quarter not a lot not a lot of you know 30 point first halves and and going into the second half they'll score 20 also it, it doesn't happen that way a lot of times it's quarter by quarter and for bogey unfortunately he fell victim to it yeah and, and going into the fourth i felt like Miami as soon as uh, as they they uh, brought the ball in on the fourth. It was an immediate Bam Adebayo uh, draws a foul, gets to the free throw line again. And the Hawks, um, I felt like we're doing good on the offensive glass. OO was playing really good. But one guy just went nuclear for Miami in the fourth, and it started early in the fourth. Uh, Duncan Robinson, um, he was phenomenal in the fourth quarter, and – the Hawks left him open. Sadiq Bay, uh, you know, coming to help inside, leaving Duncan on a kick out. Is there's a few guys in this league that you can't leave wide open. I think Duncan Robinson is one of them guys. Oh yeah, yeah. They're 
the 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 biggest problem was Duncan was able to get so comfortable with his three point shot that in the fourth quarter the damage was not mostly from the three point line. He was getting into the paint, drawing drawing fouls, taking mid rangers as well. So getting him used to his game allowed him to expand it so easy because the Hawks were like, oh, I got to close out so fast. And then he pump fakes and blows by. So that's something Duncan has added to his game over the past couple of years. And and you're seeing he scored 21 points in a fourth quarter, best quarter of his career, a uh, best fourth quarter of his career. And it was it was definitely not not the right time for the Hawks because in the third quarter, the Hawks only scored 26 points. And that offensive struggle continued into the fourth with only 27, Tim. Yeah. And the Hawks started out four from 17 from the field. Like, they were what what was really strange is in the middle of the fourth they started getting stops the defense started playing you know really good basketball and the hawks were you know trying to make this a game it's just whenever they get on the offensive side they just couldn't create you know what they were looking for i felt like you know Trey could have got a shot at any time and later on in the fourth, you know, Trey kind of tried to take over by himself just because guys' shots weren't falling. And unfortunately, you know, you kind of fall victim to that because if other guys' aren't, or shots aren't falling and Trey's the only guy, you, you know what Miami's going to do. They're going to double-team him. And, yeah. you know, they they took away Trey, and unfortunately the other four couldn't beat him. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah the shot-making just wasn't there. In the third quarter, I thought a lot of it, it, it was turnovers. It was it was just a bad offensive organization for the for the most part. But in the fourth quarter, Tim, I don't think the Hawks necessarily played bad on offense. They just shot really poorly. I mean, credit to Miami. They definitely switched up some looks, especially on Bogey. The defense was much tighter on him throughout the second half, even though he did miss uh, a, a number of great looks, especially for him, because you know he can get that shot off whenever he wants to. But in the fourth, it was strange. Like you said, the defense in the second half played well enough to win this game. But unfortunately, it was just guys like Bogey, uh, Sadiq, uh, DeJounte in the fourth struggled offensively, and, and Bogey. These guys these guys are all good good scorers, good shooters, but just couldn't knock down the shots that were, that were needed to, to help the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and... You know, to to end this game, the Hawks, you know, kept it within striking distance, but just couldn't never get, you know, close enough where it, it, it mattered. Trey hit a couple late threes to, to push him over that 30 and 10 mark, which he is now at six um, in a row of 30 and 10, at least 30 and 10. Um, Trey Young has just been phenomenal for this basketball team for a long, long stretch. And I I would like to see the Hawks capitalize on what Trey is giving them. Unfortunately, they didn't do it tonight, but they do have Memphis on a back-to-back tomorrow night at home in Atlanta. So, you know, when when Trey's on these type of runs, the Hawks got to find a way to win these games. Definitely ones you're you're in close at the end. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You you mentioned it a little bit, uh, a bit, a bit ago, but the Hawks have been in a lot of close games it's just not winning and when it comes down to close games I, I tend to look at tend to look at some some of the specific stacks the Hawks shot 14 free throws compared to Miami's 30 now the heat uh, sorry the Hawks don't have a lot of guys outside of Trey to really put pressure on the rim to go to the free throw line so that's one thing but 30 free throws for Miami it, it, that's a lot and yeah uh, that's 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 how I'll put that's how I'll put it there. But with Trey sixteen in the fourth quarter to get to thirty, he's been, he's been playing out of his mind. And as Jalen Johnson is close to returning in the next few games 
you have to imagine hopefully this team this team is playing better right now and hopefully they create some momentum you get dre healthy uh, and hopefully uh, i was able to go on a run soon with with how with how trey is playing yeah and we'll move on into the box score starting with the bench wesley matthews six minutes um over one from the field one rebound um zero points uh, i felt like he he struggled tonight and Unfortunately, we keep saying that pretty much game after game for Wesley at this point. Yeah, his offensive game, his shooting numbers have been really awful. I think he's made three threes all season. I don't think he's made a three in in two and a half weeks now, and uh, it's 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 just it's just not looking good for Wesley right now. As we go further here, Patty Mills. 12 minutes, one or two from the field. That was a three. Uh, he also had an assist and a rebound. I thought, you know, in, in his in his limited playing time, 12 minutes, he, he was okay. Uh, no, nothing spectacular, not, not, nothing too bad. But one play I do want to highlight was Patty Mills always going to hustle. Tyler Hero had fumbled the ball uh, off a of deflection, and he was just jogging back to get, get the ball. Patty Mills dives for the ball in the backcourt. Nobody would have thought that he could have got to this ball, but he got it, passed it to DeJounte. DeJounte went up for a monster dunk, but got fouled. And those are the type of plays that that you need from the guys that have to stay ready like Patty when he's not going to play very often. So at least at least that was a great great moment for him. Yeah, I, I felt like Patty was the the spark plug defensively. I felt like his effort, you know, I don't want to say Patty was um phenomenal but his effort shows on the court like yeah. his, his you know what i'm saying his his bravado the way he goes about the game like he's a hustler and you know i like that out of patty definitely you know for a vet on this team um moving on to anyeka kongwu oo had 25 minutes uh four for seven from the field over one from deep had seven rebounds one assist one steal two blocks nine points i felt like oh had a had a really good game i thought that he was probably the better of the two centers at stopping bam out of bio tonight but also think that oh is one of those guys where if uh he gets in that kind of rhythm you know he, he's hard to stop I, I still feel like the hawks didn't get him in that rhythm that that you want to see but i, I thought oh played pretty good tonight yeah his defense on bam i, I think was better than than capella's who was all who's in foul trouble tonight with five fouls but yeah i thought on yeka recently he's been playing very well and, and hawks fans are kind of seeing the guy that they thought they would see uh to begin the season as we go to bogey here definitely a tale to have for bogey and he played 35 minutes so let's keep an eye on his minutes tomorrow just uh just to be safe that's something for hawks fans should keep an eye on but eight of 24 from the field six of 18 threes for bogey 23 points five assists one steal two rebounds great in the first half not good in the second half that was that's pretty that's pretty much it for bogey right there um defensively i thought he was rough you know worse than usual even though he's not a great defender uh duncan robinson was definitely uh was definitely kind of cooking him in, in the fourth quarter, uh, but unfortunately just couldn't supplement it with his offense in that second half. Yeah, I, I felt like a bogey um, it, is definitely the tale of two halves. I mean, he was on fire in the first half and the second half just kind of fell off. I mean, that's not normal for bogey, but, you know, it just happened tonight. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes tomorrow night with, you know, the heavy minutes that he played. Um, hopefully he ices them knees up and he's ready to go. Moving on to Garrison Matthews, um, 18 minutes, 0 from 3 from the field, all from deep, uh, one rebound, one assist, 
Zero points. Garrison had a rough night. Um, there's no other way to put it. He just had a rough night. Yeah, still drew, still drew those two charges, but yeah, other than those. Other than those two moments, not not the not the best performance from Garrison tonight. From for Sadiq Bay, six of fourteen from the field, two of eight from three. He had sixteen points, ten rebounds, and two assists and two steals. I thought Sadiq was rough, especially on the defensive end. And uh, like you said at the beginning of the show, Tim, he 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 definitely was late on some rotations. Back cuts were kind of getting to him, and he's still in the shooting slump. He's slowly starting to figure it out. Uh, but on a night like tonight, where recently. Sadiq's been okay on the defensive end. Not great, but he's getting better. On a night like tonight where he was poor, you would have loved to see his shot going in to kind of make up for it, but unfortunately it didn't, didn't happen too much. Yeah, I mean, for Sadiq, it's, I don't want to say this because it sounds so weird, but you know he's got to be hitting his three-point shot. And I know he's in a slump, but the, the gap from you know his offense and his defense, it, that has to close because I feel like ultimately it's hurting the Hawks if he's not hitting his shot. And moving on to Clint Capella, uh, 27 minutes, three from three from the field, um, 10 rebounds, eight points. I, I thought that Clint had a, a pretty good game. I, I thought that, you know, Quinn, Quinn rode him out to, um, to finish this game. I felt like um, he was doing a good job on Bam. Uh, I felt like the Hawks were keeping him in there for for rebounding purposes, which, you know, Clint is arguably a top five rebounder in this league. And I think that, you know, he he did his job. So I felt like he was okay tonight. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought Akangu was just a better one-on-one defender on Bam, but Capella Capella was still good on him. Uh, both the stand, both the standards played well defensively tonight. Uh, I thought I thought thought both of them were really good. As we go to Dejounte here, ten of twenty from the field in thirty-four minutes, three of nine from deep. He ended with twenty-four points, eight rebounds, six assists. He also added three steals. Uh, I thought Dejounte definitely one of his better games offensively. Uh, defensively, it still it still wasn't that great, but. I love the rhythm that he established early, especially in that first quarter, really getting to the rim, shooting the threes. I mean, this is now, uh, I'm not sure of the total numbers, but it seems like DeJounte's taken over six threes in the past week, week and a half. Nine threes for DeJounte, and and I thought he was great looking for guys in transition as well, more than he's normally done over the past couple of games. Yeah, I, I I thought DeJounte was really good. Um, I, I felt like, you know, this, the second half was a little bit lackluster, but I felt like he, you know, he stayed locked in defensively. Uh, I feel like he could do a little bit better, but... I thought he he was okay tonight, and, and moving on to Trey Young, Mikey, he just continues to impress every night. Um, Thirty nine minutes, ten from twenty two from the field, seven for thirteen from deep, thirteen assists, two steals, thirty points. Trey Young is on fire for these last six games, and he keeps this run going. He is. Um, the league leader in uh, 30 and 10 is at seven. So I want to think if Trey gets two more 30 and 10 games, he will be the league leader for most consecutive 30 and 10 games. Mikey, he's just hot. Like I, I don't, there's no other way to put it. And I'll plug this now. Trey Young needs to be an all-star. And if you're, you're not voting, you're, you're doing something wrong. Trey Young has to be an all-star starter this year. Look at the man's stats. You can't, 
can't tell me he's not one of the best point guards in the East. Yeah, he's he's playing playing amazing right now, and uh, and two games away from taking over the lead, thirty and ten games in NBA history. Uh, Oscar Robertson up there in the lead with seven. Uh, this is yeah, this is unprecedented from Trey, and uh, the the defensive engage the defensive engagement is there as well for Trey. The, the beginning of this game was so was so weird. It it looked it looked like he was out of rhythm. It looked like the Miami Heat's. The voodoo magic on uh, with with their defense and and how how Eric Spolster likes to attack Trey uh, on, on defense. It looked like it was working, and then Trey in the fourth quarter said, "I'm going to try will this team to to try to come back." He scored 16 in the fourth quarter to get to 30 points, but unfortunately, it just just came up short. Yeah, and um, something I wanted to touch on: the Hawks did make a um, move uh, in between games. Um, they requested waivers for Miles Norris and also signed Vic. Creechy to a two-way contract. Vic Creechy was uh, also here with the Hawks um, last year. Um, the Hawks ended up cutting him right before the season started. He played in summer league with the Hawks. Um, Mikey, what do you think about Vic coming back? I think a big a big part of this move is development for guys in the G League. Uh, Seth Lundy, Seth Lundy in particular. I, I think Veed is a great energy guy, fan favorite, so he'll have his moments on the Hawks for sure. But I think if he plays for College Park in that pure point guard role that he can be he played great in summer league under Quinn Snyder's system and if he can do that and help Seth Lundy kind of be that scoring shooting guard that he naturally is rather than uh, having the ball a lot more and and kind of playmaking I think that could be huge for Lundy's development and potentially just get him more NBA ready uh, as we see him progress yeah I think uh me personally I I love Vic Creechie um I think that you know he's one of my favorite players for the Hawks on why Watching him move the ball uh, is so effortless with him. And um, for College Park, they, they've been needing a guy, you know, down there to do that. Uh, I, I do think Vit is going to get some time with the Hawks, with Wesley Matthews struggling a lot and also with Garrison Matthews struggling. But I think that, you know, I think this move is ultimately for uh, College Park, for guys like Lundy and maybe, you know, a guy to help out Kobe Buffkin as well because he's close to being back yeah as great that you mentioned that yeah buffkin buffkin and jalen johnson both both coming back they're guys that might feature or well, jalen of course but kobe might be in the rotation given how both both of the matthews are playing and if kobe takes one of those spots you can slide feed creche who is above average size for his position not not a lot of guys are that for the on the hawks but he he's a guy with size, guys with length, uh, length plays good defense. So we could see him in some spot minutes uh, on the on the big league team for sure, Tim. Yeah, uh, last year we seen him fill in for DeAndre Hunter uh, every once in a while. You know, just spot minutes. You know, defensive wise, um, I, I felt like you know he, he did a good job. So it'll be nice to see you know where he where he ends up uh, going on for the rest of this year. And we'll move on to our, our next game. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks take on the Memphis Grizzlies Saturday night at State Farm Arena at 7.30. Um, this is the second part of a back-to-back um, with the previous game we just discussed against the Miami Heat. John Moran is back. Um, Mikey, what's one of your three keys to this game? Yeah, He's back. He's back with a force. Already hit a game winner, so going to be a tough matchup for the Hawks. But obviously, with the Grizzlies, number one, you gotta somehow stop John Morant from getting downhill. I think Quinn Snyder's system is designed to stop guys like Ja, who really love to slash 
and get to the rim with sending the big high up on the screen, trying to prevent him from turning the corner. If the Hawks can do that and successfully uh, cut off the roll pass, you know, hopefully DeAndre Hunter, Jalen Johnson uh, on the off chance that he's somehow back tomorrow. If the Hawks have that side, size on the back line to cut off that pass to the roll man, a lot of times, Biombo, Jaron Jackson Jr., whoever it is, the, the, they're set. They're set up to to have a good defensive plan against them against Memphis. Yeah, and I, I think another key for our second key is um, the Hawks attacking the paint with Trey and Clint Capella versus Bismack Biombo. I feel like when when you have a guy like Biombo that loves the drop coverage, um, that is a welcoming sign from Trey Young that he will either pull back or force Biombo to make a decision either at the rim. So either he's going to guard Trey or he's going to give up the lob to Clint. And you know that that type of offense um, is something the Hawks love to uh, to run. Yeah, this not necessarily key but but something to watch for, for Hawks fans really how do the Hawks match up defensively assuming DeAndre Hunter will play you're gonna have Desmond Bain you're gonna have John Moran as, as one of two options obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. still down there uh at the four but Desmond Bain and John Moran both really good players really good scores a jaw jaw's not the shooter that Desmond Bain is but obviously jaw downhill is is one of the scariest sites in the league so it's going to be interesting how the Hawks match up their guards versus Memphis guards and whoever Memphis starts at the three Vince Williams has started there a, a few times now for Memphis in a row do they go there or do they go with somebody like David Roddy it's uh, Marcus Smart if he's back is going to be an impact player as well and he don't we don't know if he's going to play yet so there are a lot of questions about uh, how the Hawks are going to match up defensively and I'm really interested to see how Quinn Snyder is going to play it yeah and um I think that the the last key to this game is going to be rebounding. Um, we have watched um, Jaron Jackson in the Olympics. We we know that he is not a guy that is going to be a dominant force on the glass. I think the Hawks have a chance to really dominate the glass in this game with Sadiq Bay. If Jalen Johnson's back with him, with Clint Capella, Anyeka Kongwu, the these guys have a chance to really go out and make a, a big statement, not only on the defensive glass, but on the offensive glass. And I, I feel like, you know, that, that'll that definitely be the, the key for the Hawks to get a dub. Yep. And with that, that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at PinWizard300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Make sure to be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.